Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it. Whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of the places where you can find fine podcast content, go ahead and share with your friends. Subscribe. We'd love to have you as part of our group. You can also connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the second best NCAA graphic designer creative of the year, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Well, the Texas pregamer photoshops have been pretty fire this year, if I do say so myself. Appreciate the uh, the vote of confidence. Um, hit me up at Texas Sports uh, Instagram and, and social media and graphics uh, department. I can teach you some things about how you can actually really use PowerPoint and overlay some things way easier. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I could teach you. But I have to charge. Which, if you don't know what we we're talking about, so uh, we we rail Kyle and I on and on and on about how incredible the Texas, uh, specifically football, but overall University of Texas athletics, social media, and kind of creative and graphics group is, and a, a online publication that actually does this specifically for sports, the Taurus. Uh, they're the leading publication for sports, multimedia, and PR. Uh, they named the Texas Longhorns as their college creatives of the year, which is pretty incredible. If you uh, go back and search through our Twitter, you can see some of the cool stuff they did for National Signing Day and like the custom logos they do for guys. Uh, we'll talk more about this in about three minutes, but uh, Sam Ellinger's like, I'm coming back to school video. Pretty, pretty dope. Honestly, guys, I uh, my, my wife has a 30th birthday party coming up. If we could get some like cool uh, videos, you'd really do me a solid. So I'll, I'll reach out to uh, to, the, to the team. We can see what we can work up. Now, Kyle, I know you're new to the married game, but you probably shouldn't tell that on uh, on a podcast listened to by by a bunch of people. Oh, she doesn't listen to it. Don't worry. She down as <laughs> as as any good fan of other schools should do. As we tell them, just uh, you know, just just download it. Just uh, get it, get it on your phone, guys. Download, delete. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> We've got a, a lot for you tonight. Uh, again, I love the timing. So right before we came on, we got some announcements that not one but two key cogs in the offensive wheel were going to be returning. We're going to have some coaching updates, some coaches leaving, some reported coaches staying. Uh, there was some real bad basketball that happened for one team, and just some. Moderately disappointing basketball for another team. So we'll dive into all that, and obviously we will bang the drum. But we have to start with the big... He's back! Not one, but two Sams announced that they would be returning for the 2020 football season. Uh, First offensive tackle, Sam Cosme, announced that he'd be coming back for his redshirt junior season, which big ups to him. And that would be the big news of the day if... Another Sam on the team, Sam Ellinger, did not put out a pretty solid hype video saying that he would also be returning. Both of these seemed kind of like foregone conclusions. There wasn't a ton of speculation that either of them would be leaving. But as Texas looks to really solidify what's it, what it wants to do in 2020, you know, new offensive coordinator coming in and all that, how important do you think getting these pieces solidified early do- is? Well, I mean, like let's start with the caveat of I, I was never especially scared that we would be Samless um, next year. Um, I, I, th- I think 
the Cosme one was like, oh, okay, that, that, good, good for him. You know, that's that's good that he he explored out there to see. I mean, I think he had a strong um, redshirt freshman year for sure with the with the upside. And last year had a good year. Like, it, no way was it we talked about it a couple weeks ago on the podcast a bad year in any metric metric but we know what his ceiling is and he surely knows what his ceiling is and so um he may not get two more years but if he has a good year this year um that that could be the one where we really uh, sit with bated breath in the offseason now on sam ellinger i mean come on the kid is 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 texas born and bred he was never going anywhere come on even if he gets a, a second round grade which i don't think he earned this year because his ups were great his downs you know not extended but a little bit uneven at times um he again has has more uh in the tank and they both have something to prove you know this was a year you don't want to go out with a little bad taste in your mouth in your texas career get it done get the speculation over with Get the you know cycle of news stories done, and let's just focus on one and zero in the USF uh, Bulls. Like Cosby felt a lot like Malcolm Roach last year. I was like, oh, well, I'm glad that guy got an evaluation, and, and I'm glad they're coming back. Um, Ellinger, as soon as he tweeted the picture of his dad at the Alamo Bowl, I was like, that there's no way that dude is going anywhere other than back to campus for another year. Like that guy of anybody else bleeds burn orange like of anybody else that is on this roster and that's not doubting any of them but captain texas himself sam ellinger was probably was very likely to not go anywhere especially with a new offensive coordinator mike yurkich or you especially with a new offensive coordinator mike yurkich that is known for developing quarterbacks that is known for putting guys like mason rudolph in the nfl that's known for doing things like reducing justin field's number of interceptions where that was kind of a, a knock on him coming out of Ohio State or coming into excuse me Ohio State so like that's a big big deal like able to really have a guy that's going to coach you well and that's no knock on Tim Beck we'll talk about in just a minute but like your kind of has uh, at least a track record of coaching up quarterbacks to put up big numbers yeah I mean we, we we've talked and, and we'll have uh on the show uh Philip Slavin to talk a little bit about some specifics but I, I guarantee you Sam Ellinger has more talent um, that he's he was God gifted um, than than most of the the quarterbacks that he's had the chance to coach at least again I think Justin Fields is a fantastic quarterback but uh, it, at Oklahoma State Sam Sam with the right kind of offense built around his strength um, and the ability to kind of keep his his you know a game and his heater his fastball working all season um, has you know national end of the season awards potential. The guy is, is that good at his best. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say he's the best quarterback in the country. We've yet to see that sustained, but I think he, there's a lot of, there's a lot there for it, for a, a quarterback to want to work with that coach and a coach to want to work with that quarterback. That's a big deal. Mike Yersich is having an incredible day and, and we'll just kind of move on naturally to his staff kind of forming or at least uh, pieces coming off of that uh, that group to open up spots. So uh, as as of the time of recording, there are still no new hires, but we know that Derek Wareheim will not be part of that group. He has been named somehow the offensive coordinator at New Mexico. I don't that that is failing forward if I've ever seen it. Uh, and then Tim Beck, shortly after we recorded our uh, bowl recap, uh, was officially named the offensive coordinator at NC State. So those are two guys that one Wareheim, you and I are doing a happy dance because he's gone. Because yes and amen. Um, just 
what what value was he adding? I'm sorry. Like we, I don't want to. I don't want this to be the the beat on Warehive show. Uh, but neither of those guys will be a part, which means that uh, wide receivers uh, and wide receivers, offensive line, running back, and tight end are officially still in flux. However, Chip Brown over at or uh, 24/7 Sports is reporting uh, that Texas will retain Herb Hand and Stan Drayton. So. If those guys come back with the pieces that are in place, like this is a good starting uh, offensive coaching group. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And, and, and you have to point out Chip Brown's the one who reported Herb Hanstein Drayton, so that could very well mean they're both gone. No, I kid. Um, but uh, but seriously, I hope. Texas to the Pac 12. <laughs> I hope that that's correct because those are two guys that you and I have talked about in this pod that we really want to see for both the recruiting and their coaching. Once they get the kids on campus, they're, they're two, um, two very, very good coaches. Um, one thing I'll, I'll just quickly mention is um, where I went to New Mexico, who lost nine straight to end the year, and this is not to knock them at all, but in the, the offense of FPI was somewhere around the 120 range uh, last year, and, and it, it is one of – the harder jobs in the country to recruit out there. Um, they did beat New Mexico State in a shootout last year, so maybe maybe they can uh, have that going for him. But, um, but, but yeah, it's a, it's going to be a tough job for him. I don't know that it's necessarily uh, an upgrade. But, again, I wish him all the luck. Anyone who comes to Texas and then moves on, all, all the luck to you. Uh, and if he does really good, we'll claim the success for it. But, anyways, I think uh, I, I think the receiver and tight end are two interesting spots, right? We, we have had um, – We've had some guys in there. We, we've in think about the last decade. We've cycled a lot of people through the the pass ca- catching positions. Um, it's it's like we've talked about one of the most talent laden groups on campus, but it's also Texas is a is a target rich environment. So you need to coach what you have, have a cohesive vision. You know, kind of get these guys bought in. Coach that up, but then also continue. Do you need any you know solid recruiters at, at each of those spots? Um, and, and I mean, the the thought is probably the tight end special teams hybrid yet again um, to replace Wareheim like for like. So um, I, I'm very curious to see in that tight end spot. I don't know. I haven't heard any names. I think anyone who thinks they know you know what that is is probably speculating wildly. So just you know take anything with a grain of salt. But the receivers we do have, we do have an idea. Um, and I think again, if you any any of the names being floated, there's obviously we, we mentioned on this podcast Emmett Jones from SMU and Tyron Carrier from U of H. If you have uh, a Yursich, Emmett Jones, or, or Carrier, even Herb Hand, Stan Drayton, and a player to be named, that's that's a pretty strong um, unit in itself. Before you even get that tight end coach in there, that's a strong coach em up unit. Um, I like you know we'll, we'll talk about with Philip a little bit. Here, I'm sure he'll he'll mention that, that Texas has better talent. Um, you know that that's not a given. But but Oklahoma State does a fantastic job of developing players, especially on the offensive side, who go on to you know great NFL careers, even though they were lower star recruits. So you know that he's got that history. You know that Hand and Drayton have that history. So um, I'm excited to see when this class is fully filled out. You know if if this truly is a step up from from last year, and I, I feel pretty good that that it could be. Well, and the 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 new toys that these these coordinators will get, like, 
are stocked for quite a while because you look at the wide receiver room. Uh, Brennan Eagles is a junior. Jake Smith, Marcus Washington, Malcolm Epps, Alvante Woodard, potentially Joshua Moore, all as uh, sophomores. Kennedy Lewis, Troy O'Meara, and Dejon Harrison all as freshmen at the wide receiver spot. Like that's a, that is a plethora of talent that you can get a lot out of. And then at the tight end spot, Brewer as a senior, uh, Laytow as a junior, Jared Wiley who flashed in some spots yeah. as a sophomore, and then Lybrock as a redshirt freshman with Jaden Hullaby joining him. Like that's that's a group, and I think uh, I, whoever the wide receiver coaches, I think they're gonna they're gonna coach up the talent. But the fact that Texas hasn't been able to produce a top tier tight end with the talent that they've had on campus is inexcusable to me. Uh, we declared the curse of Jermichael Finley over and that, that may be a, that may still hold, but like with a guy like now Laytown's never going to be your, your Jermichael Finley every down guy, but Wiley and Lybrock, like those are guys that could put up numbers, especially in a passing game like Yersich who likes to throw the ball to the tight end. Like I'm, I am, I'm excited for whoever gets their hands on these guys. Cause if they can actually develop them, who boy, yeah, I, I mean, the, the legacy that Tim Beck will leave with his Arizona connections, even though he won't be here next year, I'm very excited to see uh, a, a quarterback who gets to look out. And they're both young. I mean, you have a redshirt uh, freshman and, and a sophomore, but two Arizona kids and Jake Smith and Braden Lybrock who who could just light it up next year. I really think uh, – I was – and personally knew Blaine Irby and I really just had all the hopes in the world that he would be our answer to tight end position and injuries ultimately derailed him from being the next great tight end. So I don't want to say anything's guaranteed. And I, 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 I knock on wood furiously that nothing happens here. So nothing's set in stone, but again, barring anything catastrophic, Braden Lybrock has every tool, every piece to say, I mean, the kid's an all American in high school and just, just unbelievable at that level um, and looks to be able to, to take the step up. But I think you said it right. I, widely out of everyone last year, who played had the, the flash the the highest ceiling and Wiley was his first time back playing tight end he was a quarterback in high school and yep. the dude saw enough field time to not redshirt his freshman year like that's how good Jared Wiley can be 66225 like that's a big boy and so we could go on and on about that but uh we we know one thing for sure that the the ca- the the cupboard the cabinet whatever you, you want to call it will be full for Yersich and his staff again uh reports from Chip Brown that Herb Hand and Stan Drayton will be back still don't know much about wide receiver again we've heard some names uh, Emmett Jones Tyrone Carrier and then interim Andre Coleman have all been attached to the full-time job tight end haven't heard a peep but likely like you said somebody that could potentially hopefully coach up special teams so we'll have more updates for you as they come on the coaching search but things are looking positive at least uh as it stands the first week of january 2020 so unfortunately kyle we do have to talk about basketball uh it is basketball season uh texas men Went to Waco, played number six Baylor uh, over the weekend. Texas came in tied with the third best record in non-conference. So West Virginia was eleven and one, Baylor ten and one, Kansas tied with them at ten and two. Uh, Baylor was ranked, even though they were a ten and one team. Texas was ten and two and unranked. And what came out on the floor kind of proved why. So Texas fell to the Bears, fifty-nine to forty-four. Baylor had twenty-one. Second chance points, 19 offensive rebounds, 21 second chance points. Like you're not going to win that way. Yeah. I mean, it's right. So, so, you know, the caveat there being right, like Baylor is a, you know, a hot UW 
uh, run. I think it was a 14 to one run at the end of that game for their only loss for being undefeated and being like a top five team. Baylor's very, very good. We knew that at the beginning of the season. Um, it continues to be true. Baylor might, you know, give Kansas everything it can handle for, um, a big 12 title, but I, come on guys, this is your, you know, this is not a new coach. This is Shaka's team with Shaka's guys. The expectation is that there's no team in the big 12, Kansas or otherwise, that should just wipe the floor with UT, that, that it should be not a competition. So I, I'll, I'll leave my caveat there at the beginning and then just say, yeah, you're right. The rebounding, just atrocious. I mean, um, if it was not for Jericho Sims, uh, it, it would have been even more embarrassing for this team. Baylor got an offensive rebound on uh, <clears throat> 42% of possible possessions, Gerald. That's that's real good. That's at or, or from a Texas perspective, that's real bad. I mean, you just you're, you're not going to win a lot of games when when that's when that's going on for you. And you also your three point shooting is you know just not great. Uh, three for fifteen is not not going to cut it. Um, again, if that if that's six for fifteen, you feel a little better, but it doesn't even make this a close game. So. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I you, you, do you want to talk about bright spots in an otherwise dull game, or do you want to keep banging the uh, the, the drum of of what wasn't great in this one? Uh, what bright spots are there to talk about, Kyle? Like I, I, I feel like we get a little bit of a rep for being sunshine pumpers, and I like there's even if you and I are sunshine pumpers, which I just think we have a more optimistic outlook on a fan whatever we'll, we can talk about that later offside uh, but like there's no sunshine i i am having a hard time finding if we were sunshine pumpers we would be running on e is what we would be doing right now with this basketball team like i don't know and and i've tried to be a shocker apologist i've tried to say well you know they've got they've got this going but like there's just not there's not much i can really point to as a positive on this team. When you look at the rest of the month, uh, they've got OU at home, Kansas State at home, at Oklahoma State, then Kansas at home, West Virginia at home, a break from conference beatings, uh, LSU at home, and then at TCU. Like, I don't see things getting much better in the next 24 days. Yeah, the the one the one thing that I that I liked is is I think Jericho Sims right now is is looking like our best player and and we said in the beginning we knew what we had in the backcourt we wanted to see the front court and it's kind of the opposite right now I think Jericho Sims put up you know another double double I think he uh, I think he looked if, if again like I said if Sims wasn't on the court I mean through the the first twenty some odd minutes. Um, they were almost even in offensive rebounds because because Sims did his work on both ends, um, and, and you know Baylor certainly corrected that over the course of the remainder of the game. But I, I think if you didn't have him, this would have been even uglier. So you have to give credit where it's due there. Um, and then what we talked about in our preview and, and what I haven't seen consistently, but I did see against Baylor somewhat was was you saw Kameka Hepa you know play some defense, got a couple blocks. Um, it, it just seemed like he. He, he did some things right. You know, he, he still has a little bit to go to get to that 3 and D guy that we thought he might be. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Texas defense, if you take the rebounds out, honestly, is not terrible. Baylor shot 32% from two and 29% from three. So, I mean, it's it's 
it's not like in that sense you, you say well what i thought we're supposed to be a defensive team you know we got we got the uh the, the yak attack going from from michigan and this is going to change the team i mean I will take a, a, a good offensive Baylor team shooting 32% from inside the arc and under 30% from outside of it. You should hopefully in that scenario play well enough to at least make it a, you know, a, a possession or two game where you're, you know, look like you deserve to be on the court with them. So maybe I am being a sunshine pumper. I just, I saw maybe if there's one thing that's wrong and you can fix it and, and Shaka can identify that and it's a rebounding issue and you kind of retool some of your schemes and you, you don't fast break, you know, in, in lieu of getting an extra body back there, whatever it is. Um, and they're able to adjust that a little bit because it's so far this season, it's been the big body teams that have affected them. Uh, if, if they are able to, you know, react and adapt and great. Um, but but I agree with you. It, it is it is tepid. This is lukewarm. This is not like I'm excited. There's nothing I'm taking away great from this. I just think I just think the free throws, rebounding woes. I mean, the things that were bad were really bad. Um, the way that they went on the road and the energy that they honestly played with. Um, it just didn't look like they thought that they could do it. I mean, there was a point they were only down six points. It was 40 to 34 and then it was never close again. Um, so, you know, if that's just not having heart, not having will, not having the strength, whatever it is, um, I don't know. I just, I hope this is an aberration and we are having a micro reaction and not the start of, Oh no, here we go. Big 12. I, I'm I'm rightfully I think rightfully frustrated, but like you're also not going to see Andrew Jones go three of nine every night, like miss four three pointers. You're not going to see Jace Fabres Ofer from beyond the arc. Like that's not going to happen on every night. So like there are a lot of points that I think Texas left on the floor that could have changed this outcome. But like Andrew Jones. He, he kind of, he owned it on Twitter. If you saw him after the game, he was like, I let go of the rope. And like, you, you, I mean, could have played better, I'm sure. But like, there are a lot of guys that, you know, probably also could have played better. Texas got very little uh, production from the bench. And by very little, uh, Shaka barely played any of them. Like, Ramey played quite a bit, but Ramey is a kind of a six man in name only. He and Andrew Jones kind of, or he and the guard group, they kind of just, Shaka still trying to find the group that he likes, I think, as the starting group. But, like, the the bench players didn't even get a shot to uh, really contribute, again, outside of Ramey, who, again, is kind of that starting trio. Gerald, if, if the tournament and um, uh, was today, I know these aren't the rankings they use, but I love to look at them. If you go to the Ken Palm rankings, Texas right now is 68. So one spot better than last year, baby. At 10-3, and three, they moved up from the 69th best team in NIT, uh, champions of the world, uh, to, you know, potentially the last team in the, uh, the play-in game, though they wouldn't get that. It would be a small mid-major team. But nonetheless, they're within striking distance, baby. We're still there. Ugh. Uh, next up is a home matchup against OU, who is... They're okay. Uh, And then they'll take on Kansas State over the weekend, and we'll be back uh, next week with a recap. Their women's basketball, uh, formerly ranked number 25, falls to TCU on the road, 65 to 63. This was a a hard-fought one. So this, I feel like, is the opposite of what happened on the men's side. They were down nine late. Texas rallied to take a lead with less than a minute on the clock, Uh, but TCU kind of had a putback right at the buzzer. Um, Texas turned the ball over, tried to get their own buzzer beater in. Uh, so Texas showed some heart, and I think 
Uh, we'll talk about the the current game going on as we record as evidence that they're going to bounce back. But that was a uh, that was a disappointing outcome. But I think the the heart that they showed when you look back to where this team was again even a year ago is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it was a tough loss. TC definitely improved their all time record against Texas and women's basketball, which was tough to see. They they are now forty four and four um, against us. So, uh, but TC not a bad team, honestly. This year they they're in the others receiving votes. Um, if if both teams play as well as is you know they did in the second half, especially of this game where it started quite defensive in the in the opening, then then you have. Uh, you have two teams who are going to be in the top 25 by, by year's end. So credit to, to TC where deserved. But, uh, yeah, I will say this, too. LaShawn Higgs led the led the team. Joyner Holmes had another double-double, her, her ninth of the season with 12 and 13 rebounds. Um, and the third player uh, was Shook Sutton uh, in double digits with 10. And there's a name missing there is Charlie Collier. She played one of her worst games of the season, and that's fine. She's been a double-double machine uh, herself. So if, if one of your kind of two staples are are off and you still you know literally it it took a a a almost buzzer beater right they they got the put back on a last second shot um to to win this game you have to feel okay the sky is not falling so much on the women's team that that um you know beat the beat the number one team and has beat some good teams here it did end a four game winning streak which is unfortunate but but nonetheless um you know i i think there is stuff to grow on and you, you walk away with that saying hey it was a tough one um it's at home you hope you have the momentum to get the 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 little oomph over the top but uh you know you have enough to prove yourself against in the coming weeks to uh, to try to rectify absolutely so speaking of uh, trying to rectify the game isn't over right now, but as of the time of recording, Texas is up 10 on Iowa state 69 to 59. Again, showing you a little bit of how the sausage is made. We're probably going to do some of this in basketball season throughout, but uh, Texas is, is showing some, showing some spark against Iowa state. Pretty big lead Joyner Holmes currently sits at 17 and five. So in danger, Kyle, of not getting a double double and then Shook Sutton with twelve and three. So uh, again, catastrophic meltdown uh, away from from flipping the script and coming away. So Texas women's basketball is on the up swing. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So before. I toss it over to you, Kyle. I want to thank Nomadic Texan on Twitter, at Nomadic Texan, for banging the drum on the guy who lost $100,000 betting on the Utah Utes to beat the Texas Longhorns. The odds weren't even that good to make, like, to make that bet. Like, why would you make that bet to win $100K? We're all laughing at him. You know what? You should have put that on the horns because you'd have tripled your money, son. I'm just saying. So, Kyle, with that out of the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what else are you banging the drum on this week? I'm banging the drum on on something that is is much safer and much smarter bet, and that's Texas beating the Texas A&M fighting Aggies. And you may be asking, and what did they beat them? And I say, friend, are you not aware of one of UT's best, I'll say at least with, with 100% confidence, one of the best styled programs on campus, Gerald, I know you as a, a lover of the Hartford Wales um, sweater would really, 
really appreciate uh, the the jersey that the Longhorns wear. There are there are it's lace up in the front. There are dual Texases on the shoulders, and it's the old screaming uh, Bevo with a little sailor's cap logo that I love on the front. White with just the burn orange logo and trim. It is chef's kiss for those of you who can't see if you're just doing the audio version of this just kidding there is no video uh so uh that's the chef's kiss for how beautiful that is but let me tell you now i've talked about their their how they looked let me tell you a little bit dear listeners about how they played so the texas fighting longhorn hockey team went into the cotton bowl yes again Dear listeners, if you were not aware, the the 2020 Bridgestone NHL Classic uh, in the Cotton Bowl pitted the Dallas Stars uh, against the Nashville Predators, uh, and the Stars won against the Predators four to two. But the Longhorns, never to be outdone, outdid them one better. They they beat the Predators, uh, excuse me, the Aggies four to one. Um, so the the superior score uh in in the the cotton bowl the i'm so glad that they did this they played the nfl game on new year's day and then played the uh the ncaa uh game that everyone was looking to see and gerald i just have to say be it on grass be it on turf be it on placard hardwood be it on well whatever you do academics on be it on social media be it on history be it on present be it on future, be it on ice. There is no arena in which the Longhorns will not dominate the Texas Aggies. They try, Gerald. They try. And to their credit, they do not give up. They keep getting up. It is like the last round in, or maybe one of the middle rounds in Mike Tyson's punch out. You can knock this guy down. Hundreds of times, and Texas has. They lead the all-time, all-time series by like a thousand wins across all the sports. They are just destroying the poor Texas Aggies. And to their credit, they keep getting up. But one more feather in the ever-growing Longhorn cap. Texas fight, Texas fight. Goodbye to a That was such a beautiful soliloquy, Kyle. Uh, we talked about it. Uh, several weeks ago when this was they were kind of running a GoFundMe for it. I'm glad it happened. But 5,000 people came out to watch this. And boy, if you were in burnt orange, you were happy. And if you were wearing maroon, you continue to be sad because one, you're wearing maroon. And two, because you took the big L. And I just, just hold the L's. Hold the football L's. Hold the hockey L's. Hold everything else. Hold the fact that you're going to sign a cast off running back from your other SEC schools. Hold all of those L's. So I'm banging the drum. This week on a man that you and I already love, who's already got probably the best nickname in college athletics, at least on the 40 acres, if not the entire country, Xavier Alford, the hundred yard landlord, uh, shared some thoughts after the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. And they're asking him about his decision. He's an early enrollee and Xavier has been like a Texas guy. Um, and so they asked him about his feelings on the season and his feelings on the bowl game. Cause all those guys were able to go watch the bowl. Uh, at least they stayed back together and watched the bowl. Um, and they asked him about Utah and he basically said, people said we didn't have a chance. They were the number 11 team. One went away from the college football playoff and they came down here and we beat the expletive deleted out of them. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know who, who, 
who gave this kid an extra dose of swagger on the way out. But when, when the good Lord was putting the alchemy together of Xavier and Alfred, like the, the, the swagger tonic, he just kept pouring it out. Like that is the attitude Oh, and, and you see it all over this 2020 class where you got you saw it earlier in the, the cycle where uh, they were talking about guys decommitting and they're like, hey, if you don't want on this bus, get off because we're going to do something. And then you saw Bijan Robinson, who's like already the people's champ. Like he spent like minutes, like several minutes signing autographs after the game. Uh, like the fact that these kids are embracing what it means to be a Texas Longhorn, what it means to wear burnt orange and have that Texas across your chest. Like that to me, like the swagger and the audacity of these guys, like if it ain't burning a turk, Kyle, like, I don't know what else to say it. And like, these guys are living up to it. And so I'm just so excited that these guys get to be a part of it. Uh, Alfred was back in uniform at the all American bowl. So he's going to be hopefully participating in spring ball. He's an early enrollee. So like, I just love Love the moxie on these kids, and I'm just so glad that they're wearing burnt orange. Kid's going to be a fan favorite, Gerald. If you Google Xavion right now, unfortunately, he's the second Google highest Google result. There is something called Xavion that's an iPad app that can take control of a small airplane and steer it to the nearest airport without any human interaction in the case of engine failure a fuel shortage or you know say the pilot passes out this app will take over a small engine and land and if that's not a dang metaphor for the uh the texas football uh recruiting of of this current class then i don't know what is no it's it's this is this is a big engine plane but we have a zavion he's he's a fan favorite already i'm excited for him greatest nickname Tons of swag, like get this kid into the the not just the, the the college hall of fame, but get him into the Canton. The guy's ready for it, ready to step up and be the great uh, amongst uh, recent uh, laps a little bit in the all time greats of DBU. He's he's gonna fit right in, and he he's the only one that's allowed to break my only only animal related ma- uh, only animal related nicknames rule because you've got the shark, you've got the wolf. Uh, the landlord's got to be able to, and maybe we can because rents do is real good, and I can't wait to tweet that several times a game. Um, but maybe we could change his name to the game warden because I also think that's a thing that would work really well. It kind of fits thematically with what he's got going on. But that's just me. That's just me. But no, that's all we've got for you this. Uh, we, Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. It's goodbye to AM. and